0: welcome to the launch the podcast sponsored by tandem launch where we talk about tech startups entrepreneurship and everything in between we give you the inside scoop on building a startup capital fundraising the entrepreneurial journey with both funny and impactful stories this podcast is for budding entrepreneurs ecosystem players industry folks venture capitalists looking for deals students considering a career in the startup world, or anyone with a curiosity in DPEC. If you have a research background in tech and always wanted to build your own startup, then check out our website, www.tanemlaunch.com, or hit us up on LinkedIn. Let's build the future together. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Launch Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Vidochka, and co hosting with me today is founder and tech enthusiast Sean Maloney. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Bobby. And it is with great pleasure that I introduce to you our guest of today's podcast, CEO of Borneo, Pervez Chaudhry, and Vice President, of Strategy and Business Development of Borneo, Jeffra Rusink. And we're going to talk all about Borneo. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thank Bobby. you,
1: Bobby. Thank you, Sean.
0: So let's begin. Uh, tell our audience about the story of Borneo and how did you get started and what was your approach?
1: For sure, Bobby. First of all, thank you for the opportunity to connect with the TL community by that, I mean Tandem Launch community. We are a proud portfolio company of Tandem Launch and allowing us to share our our starting all over again and allowing us to share Borneo's story with the community. My colleague, Jeffra, and I are very excited to join you on this podcast. Now to answer your question, Borneo you got it started as a direct result of our experience in working with our prospective clients. Both Jeffra and I have been working in big data, AI analytics and privacy space for decades now. And over the last year or two, we noticed a fundamental shift. Uh, personal privacy that has been in the background for a long time, it certainly became the forefront and became a top priority for individuals, regulators, and organizations alike. Now, there were a number of contributing factors to this fundamental shift. First was that the growth of digital economy. As the digital economy grew, it also led to the concern about personal privacy, because now all of our information is on. Online in one form and another, and in some cases to being used properly, some cases being abused the wrong way. With a number of high-profile violations and breaches that everybody is aware of, uh, consumer sentiment grew, and that also led to a number of new regulations. Now, GDPR has been around for uh, almost six, seven years, but the new one, California law, and also the latest one in process in Canada, closer to your home, called CPPA, have further talked in the control of how the personal data can be used and how. It must be protected. According to one estimate, by 2024, 60% of world population will be covered by a law similar to the Canadian law or California law or European law. Today, that number is at 10%. So it's a pretty big growth and inflection point where more and more regulation and personal concerns are leading to privacy concern at this point. At the same time, companies want to continue to build the digital economy. They want to use this data to provide better services and products, but they have to be a better custodian enough the data to make things even slightly more complicated, it's all happening in the cloud. So combination of all these factors have led to a situation where the every industry sector is being impacted, how they operate in, in the online world, how they protect the data. So in our early engagements, our clients we learned that they were struggling to meet the new requirements. They looked at a number of existing tools and technology and they did not meet their needs. Whether it was the new regulations or it was the the new use cases or or the moving to a cloud environment all led to existing tools and technology to be inadequate and it took more work to adopt them than use them properly. So what led to that was they all turned in-house solutions. So there was a gap and there was an opportunity and that's how the Borneo got to start because there was a dire need for a better solution in the market to protect personal privacy while allowing companies to do everyday business.
0: Yes, that is indeed um, a really important opportunity. And so what is your value proposition?
1: So as you can see from this earlier points that everything is online, everything is based in the cloud. And so we have found a way to build a solution that works under these new requirements. That's a way of new regulation. It can operate in the cloud, but ultimately it automates the process for managing and using for business use with AI analytics in an ethical way and in a regulatory compliant way. That's our fundamental value proposition. Let me share a specific example with you of one client. This is a financial services client that deals with a lot of personal information from trading to their personal information, their financial information, their you know their business accounts, and so forth. So they have a lot of detail about an individual, which they must have to provide the services to, to their client. Now, they've been engaged with us from very early on the reason for that was that before joining and working with us, they tested and looked at a number of existing tools. They all failed to meet their needs. And once again, it took more time to adopt and customize them than building in-house solutions. So they turned inwards. They had advanced engineering skill. They started building this in-house solution using so-called manual steps and scripts where a very highly skilled engineer would actually do the work and use some scripts to aid in the process. That's the existing current solution prior to Borneo. Now, as you can see, that's not a very viable solution and they will, it was taking them a long time, first of all, to process each request because it was human steps that involved in every step of the way. And also when they change anything in the policy or the data, they have to go back and re-engineer the process and the scripts and the skill in some cases. So when we started working with them, we implemented the solution. What in the best case would have taken 10 hours to process, now takes minutes because it's fully automated. So it's a 10X saving in terms of their time and subsequent business cost as well. They would happily admit that they are better off investing into Borneo, than continue to maintain their internal use. So that's a story that tells you the value proposition of Borneo, that we help them do a better privacy, more efficiently, more effectively while saving the money. It also, in a lot of cases, most companies don't have that skill that they had, So in those cases, we actually bridge that gap as well. So it's the combination of all those factors leads to a very strong ROI. And this story repeats across multiple sectors of the industry. And we have a very strong ROI across all of those use cases.
2: So, professor, given that you
1: started Borneo
2: in early 2020, how exactly have you
1: weathered the pandemic? Yeah, Sean, thank you. That's a actually a very a personal a journey question for me that we were very early stage and we had just gotten to a pretty good start, engaged with clients, engaged with the investors, and started to engage with, with certain key folks that want to join the team. When the pandemic hit, it was a perfect storm. It affected an early stage company like ours in all possible ways. So give you an example, the funding completely froze. We had someone who has near-term sheet signing, moving forward with funding, sent an email that an investment committee has now froze all funding for 90 days minimum. So that's an example of a sudden stop, uh, which was a must-have fuel for us that we could not get anymore. We also could not engage with clients. As you can imagine, everybody was in survival mode. So even if I talked to someone, we spent more time talking about a pandemic and how are they doing versus talk about a business. We couldn't even talk about a business for those 90 days. Also, no one wanted to join. And I couldn't even ask to join the team because it was so uncertain. We're all in survival mode. So yes, pandemic did affect us very heavily. However, it turned out to be also a, a favorable market driver for us. And that's a sad thing to say about something as bad as pandemic. But it's a, every situation creates some opportunities for someone, as you can imagine. Unfortunately, that's the way of the business is. So in our case, what happened is that in during the pandemic, as we all know, everything moved online by some estimate, 10 year worth of business from Bigger Motor moved to online in six months. So 10 year worth of growth got condensed into six months or less. So everything became digital from video conferencing to doctor's appointments to shopping, you name it. Everything is online. So that also meant a lot of information about us, where we were, our location, our IP addresses, our Mac, everything that we do now is part of the online data sets, if you will. So Pandemic turned out to be a forcing function for us companies to go digital, which led to collection of more personal data. It's a well-known fact, and it also raised massive concern about personal privacy. So we hunkered in there for those four or five months almost, and started rebuilding the team. were able to get the funding, and now we have a first customer engagement, second customer engagement, third customer engagement. So we have fully recovered. In fact, we are better positioned because the new market driver than we were before. But initially it almost killed us, but we survived and I think we're better off as a result.
2: I think that's a uh, perfect example of a roller coaster ride of, of a startup from uh, thinking that your uh, your company is near over because of this perfect storm to actually seeing an opportunity. So that's uh, at least on the other side of this, you're coming out with a with uh, something positive.
1: One thing I can tell you that Jeff and I talk about this a number of times that we had to expect unexpected. That's something that I wasn't as prepared early on. Naturally, startup entrepreneurs are optimists, so I felt like everything's going to go faster. It looked like that way, but I could tell you now many time over entrepreneur in this case tell you that always expect the unexpected and certainly it was the biggest unexpected event that i could have imagined so so yes yeah, so entrepreneurs startup guys so in entrepreneur startup individuals have to be prepared for any eventuality as long as they believe that there's a market need and they're committed to that then they have to persevere and navigate through thanks sean yeah, no, and I think that's a great segue into
2: my next question. I think that being able to navigate, uh, to embrace even uncertainty seems to be part of the fabric of, of maybe who you are and who a lot of successful entrepreneurs are. Um, you personally have a long history in successful startups. Can you maybe share a little bit about your background and your journey with the audience?
1: happy to. I hate reading resume, but in this case, it may sound like it. I'm engineer by training, and my first job was at IBM. At that point, IBM was 400,000 people. I did not contribute for two years anything to that company, and I felt not so good about it. And then uh, I quit and joined a very small startup out of California, and that taught me a lot. You learn and you grow very, very fast because there is no cover-up. You have a job to do, and you are fully responsible if you you don't do your job, then some. The whole company suffers. That sense of responsibility was very important to me and refreshing for me. And then I continued with the path. So it's probably fourth, fifth, sixth time I've gone back to very early stage startup. This is my first founding exercise. But I was implied number twenty two at Splunk. I was implied number forty at WebLogic. Those are very successful ventures, if you will. And I've been, you know, CEO of small companies as well with good exit. But startups offer the opportunity for me to apply myself in a way that I feel like I'm contributing. To some of us, that's the most important part. That is the startup mindset. We want to make a difference if we are part of a team. Whether you are a CEO or an engineer in a startup, you all have a very important role to play. If one person fails to do, then the whole company suffers. That intensity was very important because it kind of brings the best out of some of us. So that's how it got started. The journey was all about the lessons about how to persevere, how at time, it looks like should, that nobody will uh, need your product. I can give you an example. For each one of product I work with, there was a time somebody said, I don't need this. And then they couldn't get enough of it. I can tell you that this happened at WebLogic, it happened at Splunk, it happened at StackIQ, it happened at Puppet. So we actually, Borneo is the first one that I haven't heard that yet. They just want to see a better solution. So that's the journey that led us to understand that how the new innovative technology can be brought to the market effectively and more efficiently without the bureaucracy of a big company, they have a need for both. I'm not down on big companies, but there's innovation cannot happen in big companies as efficiently as and effectively as it happened in a smaller organization. So that's what's leading me to startups. And that's what I have brought uh, to the team here. And so uh, have my colleagues.
0: So speaking of journey, have you ever taken a company to IPO? And what was that process like?
1: So not as a CEO, of course, but I was part of the team at Splunk when we filed IPO. I At that point, I've been part of the organization for, uh, I would say, three or four years. We've gone from zero revenue, pre-revenue to over 100, 150 million in that range. I don't remember the exact number at this point. And we've grown from 20 some people to over 150, 200 people. And so it was a very fast, enormous journey. And it's very rewarding to be a part of that the whole journey but also standing in NASDAQ on a podium with the rest of the management team and the CEO and the founders and shouting you know we are now public and being in that process in the parties that go before and after all is very very exciting it's a tough journey to get there but it can be very very rewarding it's a it's like in startup guys and girls if you will it's like winning a major sporting event so we started a record we got a platinum jubilee on that we build the film or a movie we got success. So for startup, that's the thing. I do want to mention that for startups in high-tech world specifically, IPO is not the only path. I've been part of more about other exits or success, like mergers and acquisition than IPO. And they are just as rewarding. They're just as important to the investors, to the employees, and to a success metric for the company. So yes, IPO, we are part of it, but also just as exciting, been part of some exciting and fantastic exits for the company in startup mode. So, Professor, something that we keep
2: bringing up with our guests here on the show, quite frankly, because we believe it's important, but also a little bit evasive, is the
1: idea of product market fit.
2: I guess what I want to ask you is how important is product to market fit for you and your company, and how exactly do you achieve this?
1: So, I, Sean, I mentioned that I started my career in engineering, but most of my tenure has been in business development, sales, marketing, product management—all of those combos. So, I've been kind of rounding myself up for for understanding the big picture, if you well, it, probably the most important thing for the startup is not the technology, it's not even a pattern or two they may have, or even the start of the idea. It's taking the idea and the technologies and the team to build something to solve the real world problem. That is, to me, is the most important step in the market fit. Very early on in my career, we learned that you got to talk to people that are closer to the problem. So even before joining, even deciding to build and start Borneo, I was reaching out out to my contacts in many industries and asking them how important it is personal privacy control for to you. How do you do it today and what's missing? As a result, we were able to understand what the gaps were, what the opportunity were, and where the market fit, what the market really needs. So we did a pretty extensive exercise in understanding what the market needed and what the product will fit. Then we built a lack of a better term, a prototype of the product and showed it to some of these customers. We turned them into design partners and got their feedback. In fact, we continue to use that mindset. Anything will build new. We'll reach out to our network or some of the current clients to say, how do you want to solve this problem? Now, we do have to take that feedback and condense it and make it that's more universal than a specific need for a specific client. But the market need has to come from engaging with prospects, clients, and partners.
2: No, Professor, thanks for, for sharing that. That's definitely uh, enlightening. I want to turn it over to Jeff now, who has, <laughs> hasn't been put in the hot spot, but now she will. <laughs> Sorry about that, but here we go. So uh, I wanted to ask you or maybe comment first that, you know, Borneo seems to be, I guess you can call it the solution to um, the data privacy needs of many companies. Can you maybe enlighten us a little bit about what the current uh, and maybe upcoming as well the data privacy regulations are and why companies really need to be prepared for compliance?
3: Sure. Uh, Sean, this is a it, it's become such an important issue for people personally, and it's become such an important issue for for companies and for you know governments globally. So, you know, we're we're creating a new company in where the context is just a massive growing awareness of privacy issues in general. And that's super exciting for people who care about it. And what it has meant is, is just as you alluded to earlier, there are definitely an increasing number of regulations throughout the world, both the new ones and even second, third, fourth versions of one that have, ones that have been around for a while. And, and they're being rewritten to even make them stricter. So along with those increasing regulations, Sean, we're also seeing increasing numbers of consumer complaints. And those increasing complaints are leading to increasing enforcement and penalties for for people who are not, you know, not compliant. So this means that globally, businesses just can't turn a blind eye to this. They're they're going to lose business because, you know, if they're not if they're not able to take a, a stand um, to protect their customers' data, customers are going to penalize them. If they're not going to take a stand, their governments are going to penalize them with privacy laws. So I- I've even seen some analysts reporting that within a couple of years, that 80%, that's eight zero, 80% of all businesses worldwide are going to be subject to one or more of these privacy regulations. So this this is just, a, it's just a huge, huge, huge issue right now. So I want to turn to like, you know, when, when Pervez was talking about the sort of genesis of Borneo and you know why we got together and what we saw in the market. You know, for me, having been involved in you know protecting data and personal privacy technology for for many years now, I've seen how the processes can drag on and how challenging um, it can be to corral stakeholders and align everybody in the same direction. And Borneo's posture is that it's important to move quickly to get these controls in place quickly, and that once you have those controls in place you should really, as a company, make a lot of noise about that accomplishment because ultimately when you're protecting your consumer's data, that's a competitive advantage. The same analyst that I referenced earlier is is saying that companies that, that can take a, a strong stand on privacy are going to show 30% more profit than their competitors in the same space who don't who don't take that stand. We're seeing you know, big tech come out with their own privacy statements. We're, we're seeing it come to the forefront of the discussion. So this fight's important. You've got exposure, you've got enforcement with the potential negative outcomes that could happen. And then you've got that huge carrot of you know vastly increased profit over your competition. I have a couple stories for you that that I always think about. One is about one of the most rewarding projects in my career, which started about seven years ago with a really large Canadian company who was seeing themselves as a, you know, they wanted to compete on the global stage. And literally 2014, 2015, they had their consumer privacy in mind. And, you know, with their with, you know, their enormous plans for growth, data privacy was table stakes for them. And they've done an incredible job of making the most of their customer data, being able to compete globally, but also just being wonderful stewards of their data. And I, I really admire that company, both as a, you know, I was, it was great to partner with them. Um, if I lived in Canada, you know, I, I would have shopped with them all the time, but now I can be a cons- customer of theirs in the U.S. So really, really love that they took that stance. And I want to contrast that with another company that I worked with that completely locked down any data science, any analysis, anybody's access to consumer data. They literally said, no, we're just going to delete that data. It's too dangerous. And I got to tell you, my jaw was on the floor. (laughs) just like, but wait a minute, this is like, this is one of your most valuable assets, right? Having this, having this, um, you know, this, this consumer data, if you handle it correctly, my gosh, what a goldmine for them. So I can only imagine that short-sightedness, you know, what that's doing to their competitive position, right? So this is why it's important to be prepared for compliance. Not using the data is not the answer. Using it properly is, is a great answer to the vitality of your business and the
2: competitive position. No, and Thanks for that. And I think, Bobby, do you have any questions for Jeff on that? I think that you and I were talking about something you want to throw at her.
0: Yes. Um, but Jeffra, regulations and policy are kind of boring to talk about. So how do you get people excited about data privacy and excited about the clever ways that Orneo can help people become both compliant and prosperous? Yeah.
3: So a couple of different ways of looking at it. I mean, one is that I think you're right, it's not, it's not everybody's favorite subject, right? It it almost feels like, well, you know, we're 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 doing this because we have to. And that's certainly sometimes where we start. But where we like to get to with our customers is, you know, the understanding that, you know, putting data privacy, you know, the, the particular Borneo take on data privacy technology, we're gonna get you to your desired state faster so that you you can get on with your business. So we sort of understand that all these companies are subject to this. We don't. We don't spend a lot of time um, having to educate customers on why they should. What we do emphasize is the business outcomes that they're going to get once they adopt. So for us, again, get to your desired state faster. Get on with your business. We really focus on operationalizing the de-identification so that companies can get on with their mission. Our, our message is, you know, to, to people. people People who are responsible for protecting privacy in the data pipeline, I mean, they've been handed that job, you know, another business unit or by a business leader or executive. Our message to them is we've got a unique process that's going to help you do this faster. It's going to work natively with the data architecture you've got. So you're not going to get, you know, tangled up in this web of, you know, compatibilities and, and, you know, legacy architectures. We're just going to help you streamline that process, save you time, save you money, eliminate your headache. And, you know, we try to step into the shoes of the people who are tasked with making privacy controls happen. Those are those are the people that we're really focused on helping. And our message to executives who are putting these, you know, privacy uh, initiatives out there is... You know, we're going to help you really quickly make sure that you don't have any you know negative effects on your competitive advantage or your profitability. So, again, the exciting part for us is not necessarily the regulations, but let us help you get there faster. Let us help you do it using fewer fewer resources. Let us help you save a bunch of money. You know, that story that Prevez told earlier, how much time, effort, employees that we're saving for, for companies And all this is going to happen while you take care of your customers in a way that makes them happier, makes them more loyal. So again, hyper-focus on improving life for these data engineers and company stakeholders so they can move on to the business initiatives.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, you make it sound so easy, but I happen to know that behind Borneo is really, really sophisticated. But yeah, and like, who doesn't want to save money, right? Right. So why don't you um, tell us uh, quickly why you joined Borneo at this early stage?
3: Well, it's so funny that you would ask me right after that question, right, with the with the reference to the technology, because uh, that that is a big reason I joined Borneo is that you know the some of the some of the big brains behind the technology development. Are are people I've worked with before and people that I trust and that I've seen deliver over and over again. So, you know, when, when these people were joining Prevez, I, I didn't know Prevez before, before Borneo. And, you know, one of the the side notes, like one of the COVID side notes is Prevez and I haven't even actually met face to oh. face, right? So this is an entirely remote relationship, but the glue is trust in the technology, the people who are producing it, a history of watching these people deliver and really, important projects and you know for me personally i love getting to work on a, on a big global issue like data privacy like to me i'm really proud of it right this is this is not just selling something you know that that's going to end up in a landfill this is something that means a lot to consumers it means a lot to companies and and i like really believe it's it's going to affect the the health of our economies going forward so I, I have a lot of pride a
0: lot of pride a lot of trust and that's why i'm here yeah, this is um, this is not a frivolous um, endeavor. That is for sure. So then, uh, Pervez, the stage is yours. Tell our audience what you need. Are you recruiting? Are you fundraising? Let everybody know.
1: Bobby, yes to all of them. But before I get there, I want to mention that at this early stage, market fit is important. Technology is important. Funding is important. But probably nothing is more important than having like-minded team that's focused on solving the same problem. And Jeffra, we got lucky that early stage, connected with her. And we. And also you have Patrick, you have Dominic, you have Altamero, Mariam. This is the rest of the team behind this is a pretty and a good number of them are in Canada, actually, and in both U.S. and Canada-based. And so the team is very, very strong at this point. And uh, Jeffrey shared one uh, book with me, which I think I had read, but it brought it to uh, some ideas to back to my mind is the multiplier effect. So when these folks have joined, whether it's Altamiro on the product side the Mariam on the privacy uh, algorithm side and Dominic and Patrick on the design and architecture side, they- These are 10x multiplied. So the core team is quite astonishingly strong at this point, at this early stage, in spite of all the challenges. And I think that that what brought us together is the idea that privacy is going to be important. It's a market opportunity, but also an important business initiative. And it excites us to your earlier question about that we're not just compliance, that we allow companies to get more value of the data and be a better custodian of the privacy. That's what really brings us together and that's why we are excited that's why we think that our investors are excited we're holding so that leads to what uh, our what we want to um, achieve with uh at this this stage point is that we have reached in spite of the challenges some major milestone we have mvp product that being tested by multiple clients at this point they all have validated the fact that this solves the problem we haven't finished all the testing and all of the all of the pieces that necessary to go to production, but that's a matter of months. It's not more than that. So that's a major achievement in less than a year. Market research, design, build, test, and get in the hand of the customer. It's a pretty fast. Been that's testament to the team that we have. Second, we have is now some major investors like Tandem Launch, New Fund, and a few angel investors as well, including myself as an investor into the company. So the company already has a stamp of approval from institutional investors uh, at this early stage. So so those are the kind of major milestones, also a major pipeline in being identified, uh, connected with folks in every industry. So we have reached a lot of milestones. We are ready to now scale to the next level, build more capabilities in the product. It's not done yet. Continue to build go-to-market initiatives, especially for the second half of this year. We're going to have a freemium product. We're going to have a go-to-market activities. We're going to have a partner integration. All of those things require additional team members and fuel. So our main goal is right now is two one, continue to recruit strong people like we have so far. Second is getting the funding. And the funding, we are just starting of a seed round. So timing is perfect for us for this podcast. We're going to be raising 3 to $5 million. It's a pretty big endeavor. We also believe the market opportunity is huge. Our current very bottom up specific estimate is at least a $10 billion total available market to us. And we can think we can capture a good 30-40% of that. That's a pretty significant opportunity for a company and invest so we'd we'll like to connect with seed investors that believe in the growth of digital economy, that believe in the privacy's importance, believe that AI analytics are part of the future and becoming more and more important, and love to talk to them and share why we are unique, whatever value propositions are at the next level detail, and how we can work with them.
0: Amazing. And so how can people get in touch with you?
1: So um, it's quite simple. Our website is borneo, dot ocom They can also connect to the podcast. And my email is my first name at Borneo. That's the first thing that I was able to get. Most company, because of a unique name, is p e r v e z at borneo.com. My phone number is 415-215-6530. <laughs>
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Pervez gave his digits, so call that guy up. So amazing. Thank you so much, Pervez and Jeffra for joining us on the launch.
1: It was our pleasure.
0: And it was fantastic talking with you, Bobby and Sean. Thank you. Thank and, you. And thank you to my lovely co-host, Sean. Always fun to host with you.
2: The pleasure is mine, Bobby. Thank you.
0: And thank you very much to our loyal listeners. Your time is always appreciated. Ciao for now. Thank you for listening. We hope you had fun and gained valuable insights. Why don't you subscribe to the Launch Podcast today? You can share the podcast, tell a friend, and follow us on social media. If you have a research background in tech and always wanted to build your own startup, then check out our website, www.tandemlaunch.com and get in touch today.